Conversations. I'm your girl Naya. Go ahead and sing it real quick. Do it for us. Yes. Crucial conversation. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Continue with your introduction. <laughs> I am here with the crew. I have my girl Dion. Hey y'all. Kay. Hello. And Joy. Hello, everyone. Ooh. Ooh, hello, everyone. I know, right? And we're about to have some good girl chat with you guys. But as usual, we're going to start with the drink of the day. So, Dion, what's the drink in your cup, girl? Girl, so I am sipping on this margarita. And I am really happy today to be highlighting my girl. This can y'all see it? Hey, Dee Dee's Daiquiris. Um, it's a woman and black-owned company. Um, really, like, got it popping in quarantine. Started her own business. They're premium drink mixes that will bring flavor to your function. Great taste and excellent customer service. This I know because, you know, I ordered it. I'm supporting. I'm not like, hey, you know, send me some samples because you, you know, I'm a girl. That's not how we did it. So um, definitely suggest you try it. And so we've got our margaritas, ladies. Everybody yes. got the drink? Yes. yes. I do. Yeah. I even yeah. sugared my and rim. My margarita. Well, Naya, I know you You got the new new. I know you've been paying attention to all the music that has dropped this week. Go ahead. You, you, you are a music guru. So give me your thoughts. Give me your thoughts I on all did. the stuff that's dropped. I did. Corona has kind of been messing up with um, messing up our music releases. But... For this week, I mean, I'm pretty sure you guys already heard SZA dropped her new single with Ty Dolla um, so called great. Hit Different. It's called what? Hit Different? It hit different. Yeah. Oh. Hit different. So, question though, where what? did she go? She disappeared off of the scene because something was wrong with her voice yeah. or because yeah. she was killing it and like riding the wave and, you know, riding high and then we just didn't hear from her no more. What happened? Yeah. I know. And I was really upset. I think she had like throat surgery or something. Don't quote me on that um, because it's been a surgery. <laughs> it's recorded. So she, you said that she shit. did. <laughs> Allegedly. Allegedly. So it was from it was from singing. She had throat throat surgery from singing. <laughs> I was just, I'm just asking for details. We talked last week about getting all of the information. So I just wanted to know if she got throat surgery from singing. <laughs> Before the show is over, I'm gonna make sure that you know. I will not take any scissor slander, so I'm gonna sit this conversation out. (laughs) That's not slander. That that could be a. But the implicate you're implying that unpure things about scissor. (laughs) (laughs) Is is that unpure? No. (laughs) That to me, that is a compliment. I mean. You know what? Let's get back to the music. My bad. Yeah, so she took a break. <laughs> that is another episode. And then we also have a new one from Big Sean. He dropped Detroit 2. 
Um, I am a big Sean fan. I just think he has the cutest little voice. I could tell by the way your voice got real cute. Sean Fan, okay. <laughs> I like his little cute self. And I like him and Janae Aiko together. And when they do 2088, like I just think they make good music. They make a good couple. They're going to have a beautiful baby one day. So I just like him. And then the um, the last one was 112. They actually dropped their EP, Calls okay. Forever. And for yeah. all you youngins who don't know what an EP is, that is extended play, which means that it is longer than a single. Um, they have some good hits on there. And I kind of miss, like, really good 90s music. I miss 90s R&B. It's nothing like it. So they trying to bring it back? They bring in 90s R&B They are bringing it back. They are bringing back the interludes. I was, like, bobbing in my car today. I all think the auntie's going to be like, yes. <laughs> And yeah. <laughs> this day, my favorite interlude is from 112 when they did Cube, Mike, Slendera, this is, uh, y'all, god damn. Yeah, can, you do, can you do it one more time? I didn't, I didn't catch no, it. I'm not. <laughs> but yeah, were you guys 112 fans? Absolutely. Cube. Yeah. Yeah. Hey. Cupid was, I had a tape cassette in my car, so I, I used to rewind it all the time. <laughs> rewind. Oh my God, tape cassettes. Remember when you used to tape the top holes so you could record songs off the radio? Are you a yeah. stick tissue? Mm -hmm. yes. or, or when you would play it and then stop and write down the words and then play it again. Right. Stop, write yeah. down the words. And now do you know all the attention to detail that went into that. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. It could take like, remember, you know, several hours. My dad used to get so pissed. He'd be like, if you could spend all that time writing down motherfucking lyrics, then you need to. <laughs> Did he really say that? Did he say it just like that? Just like that. I just bet. like that. Voice and all, you better spend that same time on your schoolwork. You learn your homework like that. Inside out. <laughs> right. And I'd be like, yeah, okay. <laughs> but yeah, so once well, they have a really dope album or excuse me, EP that came out. So congratulations to them. I miss all the, the ad-libbing and just good vibe music. So we have 112, Big Sean, and SZA right now playing in the car. Nice. I go into my R&B mode, I guess, um, when needed. I'm more of like a hip hop head, so. Okay, <laughs> hip hop head, okay. Okay, I'm here for She don't want to hear anything soft. Like, <laughs> that, shit, like that shit is about feelings. Joy don't want to hear it. Don't let that face What feelings? Joy be walking around with Nike boots, right? <laughs> that is a G right there. <laughs> West Coast rap all the way up to New York. <laughs> I was in a West Coast mood. So no, right. remember when the car right, turned on? In the back seat <laughs> Our era, I still feel like, had the best music. I don't even understand some of the music that they play right now. They just got really nice beats. Well, I will argue to say that I think the 70s had good um, soulful music as well. Yes, and Motown. Sure. Yeah, that era. And then... Shoot away. <laughs> 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 I 
<laughs> you better get it. I saw you hit him with the shoulder. You know, one thing that I was just reading on, on was the fires in California. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like these latest forest fires were caused by a freaking gender reveal party. And they're using Doing it for gram, right? technology, right? And I'm like, okay, I used to live in California. So I know, you know, as just someone who lives in California, you know, if it's hot, it's dry, and it's windy, you're going to get forest fires. Mm-hmm. So why, why haven't people learned that you can't do stuff like that? You can't smoke a cigarette, throw it out the window, or smoke your blunt, throw it out the window. And that <laughs> shit will burn acres down houses. People are homeless. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just the same reason people, the same reason people are arguing over wearing their mask in public during coronavirus because people are selfish. It's more important to get yeah. the visual. You know what I mean? It's about the individualism. It's more about getting the visual for Instagram and being able to be like, oh, we had the gender reveal party and we had smoke. Ah, you ain't had this. We got pyrotechnic. Yeah, I'm going to butcher that word, but y'all know what I'm trying to say. (laughs) You know, like that is more important. And it's just, yeah, yeah, like the the good is is not front and center. I don't know. Nobody that's throwing their blood out the window. That's one. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. They talk I don't about think any roach. forest or fire has Still been started it. by a blunt. It's all been tobacco products. Back <laughs> in my day. <laughs> I like, feel like I'm going to be defiant and pop up with a like six year old. Yeah, I know somebody that just what? Wait, what? It ain't going to be a gender reveal. It's going to be a toddler reveal. It's going to be a child reveal. Right? Uh, All my pictures going to be from the back with the look behind. Uh, like, <laughs> Do the clever, creative cover. Oh, baby. Pictures of a magician. But I'm like, isn't it necessary? Do we have to have gender reveals now? Like, really? We have baby showers. Like, that's enough. Like, right. we don't have to do a gender reveal. Like, I just. I don't know. It's just, it just seems excessive to me. Anything like, like trying to it's stay like relevant. Exactly. Yeah. And to one up each way. other on levels of creativity, which is yeah. why we have, you know, new wildfires in California because somebody <laughs> needed, you know, some some fire and smoke and yeah. uh, it's a lot. I don't know. Instagram. I have a love-hate relationship with Instagram because, you know, in my head, I'm like an iPhone photographer and, you know, holla at your girl. So I love you know, visually beautiful, creative yeah. things, but it's such an interest. This is a whole other t- topic, you know, getting on a tangent, but it's, it's such a sociology experiment, you know, um, just seeing what people pose, how they pose, when they pose. And in my mind, when I see something pop up, I think of like all the iterations and I, I think about them sitting there thinking of the caption for like hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> all time spent on filters and I just, yeah, Instagram is a lot, and I think it brings out, um, I don't know, it, it brings out a very interesting dynamic to individuals and to society, and just like this, like the, this, you know, creation of all of these important events that now need to be displayed on Instagram. It's yeah. like, it's a beautiful thing, and it's also like, you, again, Anything done in excess usually is a problem. But yes, yeah. it's a definitely a forum where people can be creative and express themselves. And I like that. I actually like Instagram. Like, I hate Facebook. 
And I'm not a fan of Twitter, but I actually like Instagram because I like seeing pictures. I like seeing Mm -hmm. um, the creativity, but I feel like people just uh, take it too seriously. Like like comparing your life to other people's lives and doing the most just to post it. Mm -hmm. Like you burning down villages and shit you know, just for Instagram, <laughs> like that's excessive to me. And so that's when yeah. you need to take a step back and be like, okay, I need to um, diversify my time mm. and do something else. And you know, on my priorities. So my right favorite is the sexy selfies with an inspirational quote. George Floyd <laughs> didn't have to die that long. <laughs> we gotta stop that. Right. <laughs> I'll be like, really? Okay. Like just Post a selfie while you look good. Your hair right. is popping. Make like, like, oh, okay. You can just post a selfie. Like you don't have to link it to an, a motivational quote, or you know, have what you're posting be actually tied to the having a boobs and everything else. Talking about you have to embrace flaws and alls. That you ain't got no flaws. Like <laughs> what are you talking? About? Especially after that filter. <laughs> right. Exactly. I'm like, come on now, let's get it together. But Oh, be well. But that was good. That was a good segue, Kay. Talking about the wildfires after we talked about West Coast music. (laughs) (laughs) You know what's crazy is I was just in LA this past weekend, like for a few days. And went on a hike all up in the hills and passing by homes. And I'm like, ooh, that's my house. I'm gonna live there. And my homegirl was like, yeah, no, because these are all of the people that have to evacuate when those wildfires come, you know, come through. And I'm like, wait, what? Soon as she said that, passed by just this lot that just looked like it had been scorched whenever, you know, the last round of wildfires were and these hazard sign of wildfires. So it's a real thing. And like people know it's a real thing, which which makes it that much more um disappointing when they just disregard all of that and it's like a big oops and I don't feel bad for them for them when they get slapped with them hefty fines like yeah you knew better like come on you yeah, knew better yeah. you know the, the havoc that this caused caused and the other thing about California too is when I was out there like when it rains a lot and those houses on the hill the the houses will slide off the hill yeah, like <laughs> so you know, like some of these, the most beautiful homes with the best views, and it's like always a risk out there. Always there. A it's risk. like that shit will slide right off that hill. Yeah, it's not. I'm isolated. literally waiting for that movie. Y'all, what was that? Was it a Disney or a Pixar movie where everybody was like real fat and they had to leave Earth because it was so much pollution and nothing was growing anymore and they were like up in space <laughs> so they could that sounds like a dream. That ain't no movie. movie was that? And like nobody, <laughs> it nobody like super was walking. Size off of Netflix. <laughs> you sure that was a Maui walking anymore? <laughs> and like they had these little flying, um, you know, flying devices like hover mobile things the, and was it the Jetsons? <laughs> No, that was like tech, you know, technological advancements. This was like, we're in dire need. We have to get off of earth. It's no longer livable. Like that's where I see the earth going and nobody cares because it's not our generation. But what about our kids and our kids' kids? I keep telling y'all to watch this. Okay. I keep telling these girls to watch this movie, but y'all out there, go watch Idiocracy because it touches on all this stuff where it's like the dumbing down of society and how we deal with all of our current challenges like climate change and even 
corporatized. Corporate. I've been drinking too many margaritas. <laughs> I've been. Y'all know what I of things. <laughs> And I'm telling y'all, like, shit is prophetic. <laughs> it really, I mean, it's ridiculous. Like, it's a comedy. It's ridiculous. Terry Crews is the president in a movie. But it's that's, definitely, that's uh, yeah. And he's a wrestler. It's like, again, this is made in 2001. He was a pro wrestler that became president of the United States. And what president do we have now who pretended to be a pro wrestler and became president of the United States? So it was prophetic. In many ways. No, he pretended to be a wrestler. Oh. I didn't in, know in that the movie. Like, you in real life? No, in real life. Yeah, I didn't he know did. He you don't see the I mean, clips where he's doing this pro. It's so just ugh, embarrassing, you know, if I was his wife. But yeah, it's. I don't even want to talk about him. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to talk Wally is the movie. I'm sorry, that was so random. Oh, but no, Wally. I've seen I Wally. Wally. Like, you don't Wally. remember Wally, the cute little yes, robot, little... and he would roll around. He's like, Wally, he was so cute. robot. He was I don't so remember cute. all that what you described in the movie Wally. But I don't remember the people being that. Like <laughs> that all was I the funniest was... part because then like something happened and like all of the power went out on like the spaceship or something, and they like slid out of their little. <laughs> <laughs> hover mobile thing and they were so just you know what Wally reminds me remember in Not the 80s correct, where we had um, what's the movie in the 80s where they had the robot um, I'm gonna think of it I'm gonna google it but that's what Wally reminded me off of I was like this is a remake <laughs> Not Robocop Hell no. <laughs> I have nothing else. Did you say Robocop? Johnny Five. Remember they were like, Remember they were like, Johnny Five, Johnny Five. Johnny I still Five. remember Johnny Five. Uh, we're so dating ourselves. It's fine. It's so I I know I said I wasn't gonna talk about Trump. Like I didn't. Like I know I was <laughs> on him. We Don't look at me like that. This. You did it's well. It's not my fault. It's not well. my fault. You, you can't it's help. It's like pure entertainment. Like shit. Yeah. It's his fault. It's not my fault. It's his fault. He keeps doing shit. So I just, you know, I guess because, you know, he got exposed and this is a distraction because he got exposed that troops that sacrifice made the ultimate sacrifice. He views them as losers and suckers. So he started trying to do his normal divisive tactics. And so two of the things that he did was in diversity and inclusion uh, training for federal feds, which is not that. a good thing. Yeah, yeah. And it's in a lot of, and I know firsthand, but a lot of the agencies were doing that to promote that discussion and that conversation between people so they know why their uh, Black employees were coming to work upset, maybe, you know. And and, and it's it, it was designed in a way where people would come together and understand one another. And then the other thing, see, and that's why it was like two things. So I was like, it was one thing. I was like, okay, I'll let it go for the week. But it was like two things he did, like in one week. And so the other thing he did was he's going to, he's planning to defund school districts that teach that, yeah. the 1619 project in history. And the 1619 project was the New York P New York Times piece that they did that mm -hmm. chronicled slavery and how it affected American history 
um, throughout time. And it's a really good informative piece and a way to give a well-rounded version of American history mm -hmm. that you know kids don't get. And it just boggles my mind because, again, it's more divisive tactics and it's more of uh, an attack on a diversity and inclusion, which was an initiative that Obama put into place when he was in office, DNI, diversity yeah. and inclusion. And then um, in latter years, it was more inclusive. Okay, now we have a diverse workforce. Like, what do we do with it? What do we do with it? Uh, how do we leverage the differences? How do we leverage the varying perspectives? And so it's like this man is attacking some of like really good programs and efforts that were in place. Mm -hmm. So I I didn't want to bring it up. I didn't want to bring him up, but he just keeps making me do it. He makes <laughs> so it so easy. He, he makes it so easy. So exactly. don't apologize, honey. Like and so and that's and one of the things I do want to bring up is in the DNI training that I think will be lost with him ending it is the uh, unconscious bias. And in um, the unconscious bias, which is we all have it, like every human being has unconscious bias. And that that causes us to stereotype different groups. And a yeah. stereotyping is perfectly normal where we just group people into certain segments and it keeps us for from having information overload but it's what we do with that unconscious bias is problematic and so i just now i'm thinking with him ending training and aware you so people become aware about this unconscious bias like okay so what do we do now people yeah. are going to continue stereotyping in the workplace so i don't and know it's the reasoning like him saying that you know he's ending these things because he feels that they're divisive but his divisive tactics are supposed to you know end what he considers his divide it's just crazy but yeah. um i mean even with the timing when we talk about stereotypes and unconscious bias you know we're we're filming the day prior to um the anniversary of 9 11. Mm -hmm. And I can still remember, I know where I was that day. Mm. Um, and I know what a shift it caused in like the world. Um, but I also know that there were many stereotypes made for the Muslim community. And so I wanted to do conversation because, you know, Jules, I wanted you to shed light for those who do have an unconscious, unconscious bias against the Muslim community based off of this one event. Like how, how did 9-11 change you, your family, your community's lives after that, that incident? So so it's interesting because you always think of kind of similar to the pandemic, like there's always going to be a post Corona and a pre-Corona, you know, mm -hmm. way of living. So, and that that is uh, depending, I guess, on your age and and mm -hmm. what stage in life you are. There is like a a pre a 9/11 a way of uh, of being received uh, as a Muslim American versus a post. And I do remember vividly, like prior to 9/11, at some point, everyone has their their little or extensive knowledge on what Muslims are. And I think for the most part, uh, prior to 9-11, it was more of a curiosity 
in in the culture in the religion. Uh, just kind of just wondering why why certain things happen. Why do uh, people cover? Why do women cover? Why do uh, why do people you know pray so so many times a day? Just little just little inquiries they had. And in post 9-11, uh, things became different in the sense where uh, people weren't necessarily inquiring anymore. They were just uh, more or less presuming, you know, just making their own assumptions, <laughs> just uh, more or less saying, okay, well, we've heard enough from the media. We've come up with our own conclusion. And 9-11 is the proof of everything I may have, have heard of before. So this pretty much seals it or confirms it. And mm -hmm. though I've never really heard directly from anyone, is just reading through outlets, uh, through the news and uh, people's thoughts on platforms, as opposed to directly, you know, to to anyone I know or me in particular, uh, it would just be more or less people now believing more of the stereotypes that they've heard of before. So it was a more of an affirmation for them by way of the medium. Um, and so that's when you start to notice that, wow, how powerful, how, A, how powerful politics in the media is, because they are the primary drivers of what we, how and what we think about one another. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's really, and so just to sum up, to answer your question, Naya, going back to that, it, it changed in the sense where in the beginning, the first 10 years, people were, again, making their own assumptions as opposed to that natural inquiry that they had before. It was just a very pure inquiry. Now it was now it's become uh, you are guilty mm -hmm. until proven innocent. Mm -hmm. um, very clear cut. They've are the decisions already been. Correct. Exactly. So. Do you feel like some of these stereotypes have gotten better for the Muslim community community since 9-11? I think it's gotten better in the last, because what are we on now? Uh, 19 years? 19 years. Yeah. Which is so hard to believe. Yeah. It's so hard to believe it's been 19 years. I mean, like almost oh two gosh. decades. But, uh, you know, as with everything else, as time goes by, uh, it has subsided a bit. And I think with everything else going on and... I believe also with social media be being on a rise, like Facebook and Instagram uh, happened post 9-11. So that allowed people to see people in a more natural, real mm -hmm. life, as opposed to everything coming through the media, being filtered through the media. And now we're seeing everyone through different lenses, through their own lenses and creating mm -hmm. their own narratives, as opposed to just leaving it for someone else to make that, uh, make that story or that description up for them. So yeah. yes, to, it has gotten better. And I do attribute that to the uh, social media platforms. Yeah. Okay. Well, social media is something positive coming out of it. I think about when, cause I was living in Florida when 9-11 happened and I was living in a part of Florida where there was a lot of like racist to the point where there were certain beaches I couldn't go to because they have their Confederate flags you know, the sign oh, letting, us, really? letting us know, like, don't come here. And after 9-11, I remember where they welcomed Black people. Like, for once in my entire life, like, we weren't the most hated. Right. Mm -hmm. And the hatred was towards 
Muslims and Arabs, and it was just so obvious. People don't wow. realize. Like, think, oh, Florida. Like, they might think like Disneyland mm-hmm. or they Disney World, Miami, whichever one is like, in Orlando no, and then Miami. That's like backwater no, other parts country. Of Florida, Florida yeah. is country, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and people like, forget that. And yeah. I think and they I drink do- a lot. Of, you know, I'm not even gonna say that before I get canceled. I might not go there. <laughs> but it's interesting. Florida's a beautiful place. <laughs> <laughs> of um you know how how tight security got right after 9-11 and y'all remember trying to fit your toiletries in a one what was it a one quart bag and now i'd be having like four and five toiletry bags i still have you know my little what three ounce or 3.4 ounce bottles but i remember trying to stuff i was like we i get it like we are we have to be careful but like i need all my my hair stuff. <laughs> uh, I remember I always said there was a racial bias in these TSA requirements because <laughs> as a black woman, I need way more liquid to this. Like I need to get my curl mold, oh, my sure. gel, my curl. shampoo conditioner. I need my my spritzer. <laughs> like I need well, my man, curl. I don't even think I wasn't even natural way back then, but it's it's the principle. <laughs> it's the principle for somebody. Else. You know what I mean? Like I well, wanted I to remember when we were did. traveling, um, when we would travel with Joy in the airport, and we knew it was like, oh, Joy's gonna get stuck. They about to search. <laughs> Random, random screening right. for the Muslim woman. Okay, we'll go through security and we'll just wait on the other side. Like we'll be right here. <laughs> and then you know, ten years passed, and then you know, Joy will go through the airport and I'll be like, "Go on, man." I'm like, <laughs> that's, "That's because I spared you. I spared you. I didn't wear my head wrap. I spared you. So it could have been, it could have been a lot worse." Okay, I thought you brought up an interesting point about how, um, as an African-American, that how you were received differently by the uh, Caucasian community, American post 9-11 or post 9-11, the first few years. And it's interesting because as we go through this whole, as we're in this social culture that we're in right now with the uh, Black Lives Matter and everything that's going on, Um, the Muslim community has been one of the uh, strongest supporters uh, Mm -hmm. simply because of a lot of Muslims. And I have some facts I want to give out that I was even blown away by. But yeah, the Muslim community has been very supportive of this simply because a lot of Muslims that come from different parts of the world have their own struggles in their Mm -hmm. own countries. And so they can relate to that, uh, Mm -hmm. that that type of um, discrimination um, and so it, I just find it interesting because it's it's like we're we're all kind of facing the same type of struggles. And so to think that at some point there was someone out there driving like a um, like a divisiveness mm-hmm. because when it boils down to it, this whole uh, Islamophobia is really po- when you really do your research, it's politically driven. Mm-hmm. It, it all comes down to politics. And a few facts that I found that were so interesting is that most Arabs in Americans are not, most Arabs in America are not even Muslim. And most Muslims are not even Arab. Mm. And that most Arab Mm. Americans um, come from um, Lebanon and Syria. And that most Muslim Americans are uh, African American or from South Asia. 
and interesting. And then, okay, right. And many of Dang. the early, yeah, many of the early Arab immigrants assimilated well in American society. And then, like other ethnic groups in America, Arabs and Muslims have um, produced many, um, you know, successful um, American whose uh, ethnic background is merely like just like an afterthought. Like that's not what they're, you know, leading with. They're just living their uh, their life, and that. The income of Arab American is among the highest of any American um, <clears throat> ethnic groups, uh, second only to the Jewish community or Jewish American community, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, and the enormity of um, the horror and the Middle Eastern um, background and terrorists um, is um, an attempt to use religion to justify their act. Um, you know, uh, against their discrimination against Muslims and Arabs in that world. So mm-hmm. back to my point about it being politically driven. So I just thought that all of that was very interesting as That's I was very interesting because I know, doing I my fact don't think I realized that. I think yeah. most people wouldn't realize that. Mm-hmm. Right. They automatically assume, back to stereotypes in general, if you mm-hmm. look a certain way, you practice this religion, and we scared, basically. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I was just, um, and I shared it with Joy. I was reading an article. Um, it actually wasn't reading. I was watching a um, report, and Angela Davis was interviewed, and they were just talking about how um, the Palestinians are really, how they really identify with the Black Lives Matter movement. And so they showed, like, imagery and because they go through the same thing. And so they have like George Floyd and a cop kneeling on that, and they have like, you know, the people in their community have gone through similar things. And I'm like, wow, I wish more of our community knew about things like that. Like they've been such big supporters of our struggles. And it's like, you know, we need to reciprocate that in, in many ways because um, they've been through a lot. Like you look up that their history and what they've been through, like it's been a lot. And I think there's a lot of parallels. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was a very interesting um, article. Thank you for sharing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think that we're getting there. Um, even with, I know we had spoke about the protests um, during the last episode, but I think that we're getting to a place to where we're more of a unified front and um, being open to doing a little bit more research and seeing that a lot of things that we're taught are told are not necessarily the truth um, about different demographics, races, you know, religions, what have you. So I'm really um, hopeful and optimistic about, you know, the future. Yeah, Yeah, I just hope that we can get through, you know, these these barriers, these stereotypes. And and like I, I mentioned earlier, is that we all have our unconscious bias is that the issue is what bias mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and you know so let's talk about that like what types of stereotypes and bias that you experience or you have you know yourself so mm. so wow. can I okay so if you so I lived overseas for a uh, a portion of my life and I can say that uh, <clears throat> in general I'll make it broad and then I'll start narrowing it down so in general. Uh, some of the bias outside of the United States, um, or I'm saying some of the stereotypes outside of the United States, has to, a lot to do with how uh, judgmental Americans can be, um, 
how we don't do our research. We just pretty much kind of make a lot of assumptions and we're very big on stereotyping to the point where everyone outside of the United States has noticed that. Um, and so we lead, but this is not my words, this is, you know, outside of the United States, they, we lead with arrogance in the sense that because mm -hmm. we don't know, we uh, make all these assumptions Mm -hmm. And then we uh, we and then we miseducate our uh, mm -hmm. society mm -hmm. with that. And then when you look at it internally, then um, it also it, reaffir it reaffirms that because if you if you go on social media or if you talk to people, you do notice that some people speak from a place of what the media has fed them. You know, when you're talking to people, mm -hmm. you could pretty much tell the majority of people are going off of assumptions and uh, stereotypes that they've been fed their whole life and have never chosen to or never thought of challenging that or digging any deeper to see mm -hmm. what the validity of, of a lot of that is. And so I think, um, I think there are so many stereotypes out there. I would mm -hmm. say, you know, for me, just at least... The, the religion thing is one, but also when I, I'm, I'm, when you look at me, I'm pretty much racially ambiguous. Um, and so depending on what group I'm around or what, uh, area I'm in or, you know, geographically, mm -hmm. I could, I could either be, um, I don't know, kind of people will kind of talk to me kind of slow. Like maybe you don't understand, understand. if I talk fast. <laughs> Yeah. So I have to slow down what I'm saying so you pick up on every word, uh, that kind of thing. Um, that's just one of them. What about you, ladies? I would say for me, um, a big stereotype kind of ties in with colorism. Um, there's a stereotype you that... Young? Oh, no. That First of all, she's paperback brown. Paperback brown. <laughs> she's very Christian That's Yellow. my girl. I've been saying this for years and years. So there are different uh, shades of paper brown, uh, paper bags. I'm the she got a tan. First of, all. First of all, she has a tan. Okay, so she's paper brown bag or paper bag brown today. Check Naya she's out in yellow. February, everyone. I've been knowing Naya since middle school. She yellow. <laughs> I'm sorry, continue. See, that's what I'm saying. First of all, there is no person that is yellow. I am brown and black. There's no person that's yellow. Who's yellow? There are shades of yellow. There's levels to yellow, too. <laughs> There's levels to this. You seen yellow, Joy? I've seen yellow. You know what phrase I'm referring to when I say high yellow. Basically, oh, yeah, everyone, don't let the tan fool you. If you're listening to this, on whatever podcast form, go on over to YouTube and <laughs> so you can get a frame of reference, okay? It's color. I'm sorry, but continue. <laughs> so, no, um, as she said, there are people that feel like paper bag brown people that we're bougie, arrogant, stuck up, feel that we're better than, and you know, that is is a stereotype within our own community. So that's something that I dealt with, I think my, pretty much my whole entire life, even from family, I have family members that treated me better because if you see my family, I don't know how, I'm the only light-skinned person, um, but my siblings are more dark-skinned. And so, you know, some family members treated me a little bit better, 
Um, Did you want to say skinned light skinned and dark skinned? Light skinned it is <laughs> right, <laughs> but um, but then you know in school and in family as well, there have been times that I've been mistreated or prejudged because they think that I think that I'm better, right. and then. If you talk to, I would say, I'm not gonna speak for all paper bag brown people, but I was, you know, and speaking <laughs> and speaking for myself, I was the light-skinned girl who wished that I was darker. So I used to go to tanning boots and everything because I just loved the glow that, you know, brown girls had. I just looked at them as beautiful beings. And and I still, you know, I now, I think that I'm at a point to where I've accepted my paper bag brownness, but you know. <laughs> I'm going to roll my eyes every time I hear this gosh darn phrase, this goddamn phrase, <laughs> paper bag brown. So we just going to say more like, syllables instead of high yellow. That. Okay, it's fine. Like, <laughs> but that is something that I dealt with because I'm the total opposite of the characteristic uh, characteristics that are tied with what people feel light-skinned girls are. I'm not bougie. I'm probably like the, you know, I'm super humble, goofy as hell. Like, it's just, oh, just the total opposite, so. I vouch for you for paper bag brown. So. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> <laughs> so my, mm, I honestly don't, I can't say if I'm being 100% honest, that I've actually experienced it, this stereotype. But with my natural hair, in my head, I feel like there could come a bias or a stereotype when uh, in, in a work environment, mm-hmm. right? So I work for an amazing company. I'm not giving y'all those details. Y'all can probably find it because y'all nosy. But... <laughs> You know, so I haven't personally experienced it, but I I remember interviewing for the job. I remember walking into the lobby, giving the receptionist my name and my hair. It wasn't quite this big, um, but I remember like having a little anxiety and panicking and like pinning it down, like to make it more acceptable. So that's what was in my mind. Like, let, like, I really want this job. Let me not have the reason I don't get it because of my hair and they think I'm militant and too pro-black. And and then I remember, um, you know, meeting with a resume writer who was redoing like my LinkedIn profile and my resume and all of this stuff. Hey, hey, current coworkers. Yes, I mean, my interview has been popping in quarantine. Um, but she, I remember her telling me, like went through my resume, she took a look at my LinkedIn and she was like, oh yeah, you might want to consider changing your profile picture because my fro is out again it's not quite this big but it's very natural and you know it's big and for that same reason she was like you the first impression may be you know what I mentioned earlier about you know being you know too pro-black or might just give off the wrong impression and I left it up because it 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 what's the right word? Like it it disappointed me. Like I remember feeling a little deflated, like, damn, you know, that's like really messed up. And I had a conversation with another friend who runs her own business um, and does a lot of uh, coaching in the professional space. And she was like, okay. And if that is the case, you don't want to work there anyway. Like that's not the culture that you want 
to have to go. We spend way too much time at work pre-COVID, but that's the energy that they're giving off and good. Like you're filtering them before it even gets there. Yeah. Because right. you're also yeah. interviewing them. They're interviewing exactly. you, but you're interviewing them. Like exactly. you want to lend your talents to them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Exactly. But like I, I still find myself toning it down and taming myself um, for interviews. And then I get in the company, I was like, oh, I got the job now. You're about to get this, bro. Uh, it did take me a while in my current job. I would, you know, I have like a signature style. Like I'll do it over to the side or, you know, have a bunch of different looks. Um, but I still, even after having the job, I am most aware and a little more self-conscious if I was just to wear it out super big like this. Like to me, this is my weekend hair. So again, like I, I can't say that I have personally experienced it, but I know it exists. And so mm-hmm. I tone it down before it gets to the point where it inhibits me in a professional space. So, right. and it's unfortunate I a- that I have to think that, you know, there's all kind of laws being passed and that, like, the fact that we have to put energy and effort forth into passing laws to make sure that people aren't discriminated against. Our hair, our natural hair at that. Right. right. That are, you know, specific to our community. It's it's messed up. Right. I had a girl that I work with and she had no ill meaning to it. Like she was just ignorant, sweet girl. But um, just the way my work is set up where I work from home. And so I don't really see people in my company. I see them randomly, random occasions. And so when her and I worked on a project together, she tells me like, you've always fascinated me. I'm like, really? Why? And she says, well, I never talked to you, but I always just saw you. And she said, you have this big hair. And she said, you have these long nails. And I just, that just fascinated me. And I'm like, okay. And then she said, when I got to work with you, she's like, I, you were completely different than I had imagined. And I didn't want to ask any follow-up questions. I was like, you're going to take me already knew books. where it was going. Yeah, right. like, you're gonna, you know, you're going to take me to the dark side. And so, um, but you were giving her love and like hip hop. That's saw, what she was- right. She saw big natural hair, saw long nails. And she probably thought I was, you know, loud and yeah. this hood rat and then when she worked with me it's like oh she's not that at all she's actually mm-hmm. professional like she's our she can put us together right yeah yeah and so i i used to when i would go to interviews i used to um i used to straighten my hair until i had one interview where i straightened my hair and the interview was so intense that I start sweating it out. So as I'm sitting in the interview, my hair, I felt it getting bigger and bigger and bigger, 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 bigger. And so I said, okay, I'm not doing that anymore. And so then I went to just pulling it back in a bun just to make it neat. Mm-hmm. And But the last, the, the company I'm with now, the last time I was like, y'all just going to get me, my resume should speak for itself. And I, I got the job and I just went in just myself. And um, and so I don't know if sometimes the stereotypes that are laid out for us, if we use that to limit ourselves. For sure. Yes. And so, for sure. Um, and so I'll 
Like, did I, I didn't, maybe all those other times, did I even need to straighten my hair? Did I even need to put in a bun? Would I have gotten a job if I had just gone out with my natural hair anyway? But I mean, but it's real. I'm not saying it's not a real, but it's, it's no one absolutely, agree with yeah, you. It's absolutely, but it's like, we yeah. can't afford to take the risk. Exactly. We can't afford to take the risk. It's like, we want this job. This is a step up next level in our career. I'm not going to hang my hat on whether my hair is, you know, looks presentable by their standards. Like, let me just go ahead and get my foot in the door and then I can, you know, cause a ruckus and do what I need to do. Um, yeah. So I feel you on that. I feel you on And I know that I was in my own way. And so just imagine as black women with natural hair, we're supposed to be putting our time and focus and energy and prepping for an interview. What are those behavioral questions looking like? You know what I mean? How are we responding to that? So that we, that's a whole other level that we, you know, have to um, to focus on to interview. So it's just another way where we're kind of behind, you know? And so I think to remove that and not have to worry on that, like, man, let me just straighten my hair and put it in a bun so I can focus on, you know, presenting my best self and not having that in my mind, regardless of how they're going to receive it. I'm not going to take that gamble. And I lied because I just remembered an example with this girl, my job, as to pet my gosh darn own hair. She was like, oh my gosh, I just love your, love your hair. Just, it just I want to pet it. I do like touch your hair. Your it's hair soft. is super it's soft. It's like a cotton ball. It is. Like I do. But y'all don't be wanting to it's pet so me. Like, <laughs> but, I, but I do sometimes. I do. good. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, I just, I just want to lay in her hair. Remember Andre 3000? I'm going to lay in her hair, but y'all not trying to pet me. You want to touch my hair because it's soft. Yeah, so it's like, I just wonder, you know, and my smile just froze on my face. Cause I'm like, I don't even know how to respond to this. And again, I don't feel like having to put the energy forward so that this doesn't come out like super, you know, jacked up. And then, then I'm the angry black woman and like falling into that possible stereotypes so I just and that's what happens you just key key and laugh it off and then that continues to perpetuate it when I technically should have checked her and be like yeah don't say that you know like you want to pet me yeah Yeah. that even that um the angry black brown woman like that thing is real because I find myself you know when you're placed in a leadership position and you get really passionate about whatever it is you say whatever it is that you're saying, I find myself sometimes like having a pep talk with myself because sometimes our passion is taken for being ill-tempered. And, um, you know, I kind of get pissed off because I feel like I'm always altering or having to overanalyze and overthink what it is that I'm saying and doing to make sure that I don't fall victim of those stereotypical actions or whatever. Um, Even when some people deserve getting cussed the hell out. And I I think that black women, and I can only speak for black women. um, Well, actually I can't speak for black women, but you know what I mean. You can speak for brown too. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But you know, I feel like we're so judged on our reaction to the world. And so, yes, we're passionate. Yes, we react. Yes, we're assertive. Yes, we're aggressive. But we have to be like, what else are we going to? That's what we have to do to survive in this world. And so I hate the angry black woman. First of all, I am an angry black woman. Like, I am. But not in the sense that I'm not bitter. 
I'm angry, but I'm like in the James Baldwin, like angry, like in the sense where he's like to be relatively conscious and I'm paraphrasing the quote, but to be relatively conscious is to be in a constant state of rage. Like if you know what's going on, then you're angry. And so I'm angry in that respect, but I'm not bitter. So I don't go into situations with a chip on my shoulder and just ready. I am always ready to fight. Okay. (laughs) Anyway, but. I'm a passionate woman okay but I'm not angry and so and it's funny like it was maybe um, a year ago so I'm working colleagues people I get along like I get along with all my colleagues and this guy said something and he was wrong about me And so I'm not going to let it slide. Like, I'm going to assert myself. I'm going to say something. And and I said something very calm. I had my work voice on, very calm and professionally. And he goes, whoa, 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 whoa. That's what he he did, a whoa, whoa, whoa to me. Like you were coming at him about to attack. Yeah, and I did not raise my voice. I did not have an attitude. I just stayed in my opinion. I asserted myself because he was wrong. And just with me speaking my mind, he took that as me mm-hmm. doing too much and yeah. coming at him in an aggressive manner. And that made me want to lose my temper. <laughs> but, you know, so I, I question. that doesn't even, I'm sorry, go ahead. So that was an example in the professional work setting and you mentioned James Baldwin and to be conscious you know to be in a constant state of rage so you know another stereotype of black women is we be super rah-rah in relationships so black men be coming for us too so (laughs) is that constant state of rage true and necessary in a relationship with your man (laughs) Because I, I'm going to let y'all answer that and then I'm going to give my opinion because I don't no, know. No, give your opinion. I was about to say, go for your opinion. Right? <laughs> don't put us out there first. <laughs> I mean, I personally feel like it's a whole lot of neck rolling and attitude and all of that that Black women give in relationships. I said it. I said what I said. And I feel like there is a seed of truth in that and we can be very aggressive. And I'm gonna just lay that there. Have to be, though. Have to be why? Why? Why can? Why can points not be communicated without a whole bunch of extra? Like why can't we? I tried to communicate points in a very sweet and dainty manner, and it's just like, oh, okay, oh, you're cute. And then it's not until I gotta come with some attitude and my head gotta spin, and that's when you hear me. And I think honestly, I think that that's why black women and and again i'm not saying all black women because there are some that don't do this but why black women are the way we are it's like you don't hear us we are invisible until and so that's why we have to kind of go the extra mile just to be heard just to be understood and so like i said i've experimented i've tried i've tried to <laughs> i appreciate that effort i, I do appreciate it, it. yeah it's like just, i tried it's you know. like oh so what about and then like it just doesn't change and i'm like look i told you that this is how it is and so again we're judged by how we react to the way the world treats us 
because we're invisible, they don't listen to us. And so we have to be loud, we have to be assertive, we have to be aggressive, we have to fight for everything, every success that we have, it's not given to us. Like, I don't know too many black women that just have success handed to them. Like we have to earn and we have to work for everything that we get and we have to fight for it. And so what we are the product of our surroundings. And that's just how I, I think about it. What do you think, Joy? Um, well, I think for me, it's more of a, um, like I've never, for me, I'm, I'm more, it's a personality thing for me. So for instance, I'm, my personality is a little different. Again, it's not a culture thing. It's just more, my personality is more, uh, I'm, I just, I guess I'm just quieter by nature. So I don't necessarily. Super chill. I'm still gangster. Joy to the world, but <laughs> listening to hip hop on road trips, don't come with no 90s arms. Yeah, I just, you know, I just, you know, I, just <laughs> I just wrap my anger out, you know, I just, <laughs> you know, just yeah, so I can't, I can't honestly, like, I can't really say I've, I had those sh- struggles necessarily. Um, so yeah, I can't, I can't give much feedback on that. I'm sorry. I, I like often admire Joy because she's always so level-headed and calm and cool. And I'm just not any of those things. Like I'm, I you know, I'm a woman. I'm just kidding, everybody. No. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, I, maybe it could be. It could be because mm. I'm a black woman because I have to react to the way the world treats me. And yeah. the world will not hear me. The world will not see me unless I speak up and unless I assert myself. And so I... I would like, and that brings me to one of the stereotypes that is actually supposed to be a good stereotype of black women, but I don't know why, but for some reason it like annoys me. But that's when, yes, when it's like, you're a strong black woman. (laughs) 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 Well, your muscle bulged when you did that. That's what I hear. When they tell me I'm a strong black woman, that's what I hear. It's like Rah! that's and, supporting the stereotype because you look really, really strong there. You did. Just, you look strong as hell to me. I do live. But no, but <laughs> but it I think it's problematic, one. And then two, it's so masculine. And I think it defeminizes black women, which is another stereotype. It's like black women are feminine enough. And I just it annoys me because I, and I, and I'm not offended by it because I know the real sentiment is that you look at me as I'm resilient or I am tenacious. Right. Or, and, but I, I get annoyed because why do you have to mention my race and why do you have to mention my gender? Why can't I just be resilient and tenacious? And then I think that when you look at uh, the harmful effects, because we adopt that, like we actually sometimes wear that as a badge of honor. Like, yes, I'm a strong black woman. I'm a strong black woman. But with that, we, people dump things on us. Mm -hmm. Like we fix this, they dump a lot on us because we're strong. And then because we're supposed to be strong, we accept it. And so that changes our boundaries. And so we just accept it and we take on a lot and we fix other people's problems because we're supposed to be strong. And then because we're supposed to be strong, we don't seek help when we need help. 
Mm-hmm. And and I think that we take on a whole lot. And so I just and, and, and then it spills over into our health care. They think black women can handle pain much better because Ooh, we're strong black women. Ah. And, and we end up dying at, exactly. at higher rates and our babies our end up dying. Seriously. Yeah. And, and I know women that keep going to doctors, they have all this pain and they're like, oh no, like it's in your head. And it really is harmful. And I just don't, and I know when people say it, like they have good intentions, but I think the it's overall very harmful for us to just take that on. Like, look, Respect me for being just a tenacious and resilient woman and not just say, like, you're a strong back woman. Like, one, I'm feminine. Like, you know, mm-hmm. treat me as such. And um, and, we, and we should have boundaries. Like, we not everything should be dumped on us. And we should be able to seek help without feeling like we're disappointing our entire race by not being able to handle something. So mm-hmm. that was just one of the things I just like one of the stereotypes of us and actually it's changing I remember a conversation that I have with um, actually Dion and you know we get so used to doing our day-to-day activities and taking care of you know all these different things and you know everybody sees us doing it without you know flawlessly um, and I remember talking to Dion one time and I like broke down and she was like, you just seem like, you know, you were just doing so well with everything. I didn't even know, but there are just times that, like you said, taking care of yourself. And I think that is a great point because as women, um, I do feel like we have taken on this image of having to be superwoman. Karen White already told us we are not super women, <laughs> but we still we still try to do it anyway. And we try, you know, I had to throw a song in there. And we try and take over the world and we're taking, you know, people vent to us and we're taking on everybody else's problems. But then it's like, when is it your time to take care of yourself? So that is something that I'm learning, you know, in my latter years, but I am learning it that at some point, you know, Naya has to take care of me. And um, that's why I'm so grateful for you guys. I know this is is totally off topic, but I'm grateful because traveling kind of gave me that outlet to just decompress, take care of myself, not have a care in the world. Um, and then it kind of recharges my battery and I'm able to better keep being a superwoman that you you are. But to Dion's question, um, as far as in (laughs) relationships, um, I think it's two part for me. I can only speak for me. Um, one, I think it's learned behavior, um, because Mm. we see how relationships are in our household and growing up. And I know for me, my mom was like super submissive. Um, She took care of, you know, the house. My dad didn't have to, you know, lift a hand for anything really. Um, And he's the one that worked. Um, But if you live in Kansas City, you know that my my dad wasn't the best husband. He was a great father, but he wasn't the best husband. He was a great father. He, he wasn't the best husband, right? Not like kids. He had a lot of practice. 
Hell. <laughs> you and I are going to talk about my daddy like that, okay? <laughs> Let the record reflect and show. <laughs> but I saw that as a little girl and growing up, I'm like, I'll never let someone make me feel or look like that. So in growing up and in dating and everything, yes, I have a submissive side, but the minute that my eyes starts to twitch, it's, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's like on and popping, um, which is a bad thing. So I did, you know, I went to counseling for that because I didn't want the mistakes of my parents yeah. to dictate who I was, you know, as a wife and as a woman. But then the second part is, it's also by situations and circumstances within your relationship. And so men, I need you to pay attention because um, there is no magic wand that makes us forget the shit that you guys do. And so- um, We go in there tonight. As we say that, you know, you're supposed to forgive and forget I can definitely forgive, but it is very hard to forget pain, you know, and that's any pain, but definitely pain in a relationship. And so as you try to forget and move on and you do something again, then it's very <laughs> hard for me to forget. <laughs> you make a really, really, really good point. <laughs> Tanaya, that's I can't wait to get into that. We're gonna have to bring some men folks in here, get some testosterone, bring them into <laughs> the conversation. Definitely. Yeah. Right. You know? I hope they're ready. But no, so that's a real thing. Like um it's 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 hard to um move forward, but um love is a beautiful thing. So, you know, in times where we're able to, you know, press on, but just be mindful of, you know, the things that have happened in the relationship and realize that that sweet, innocent person that, you know, was submissive and, you know, was kind and caring and all these great things, you hurt that person. Mm. So it, it's hard for a woman to be open to give you that person back when you, you didn't value her when she gave you all the great things that she wanted now that she's an angry black woman. <laughs> so that's so. awesome. So what, what I'm hearing, this is an impromptu counseling session. So what I'm hearing you say, Naya, is that all of that neck rolling and finger <laughs> wagging and all of that comes from... <laughs> Forgiving, but not being able to forget, and then that shit yes. happens again, and now we got a problem. <laughs> right. But as women, now to talk to the women, if you do say that you are willing to move forward after that hurt, there has to be a time to where you have to let go and let God. Yeah. And you cannot keep mentioning the same mistakes over and over again because. You know, growth is a real thing. Oh. And that is something that I tell my inner self oh. all the time. Let go <laughs> and let God. I love it. I can just wait until we have a whole revenge. episode dedicated to this. I, this year, we get into the good stuff now. We get into the good stuff because I know love it's is a beautiful thing. We got women sitting there listening now, like, hmm, 
Next rolling and swag, and we bringing it. We bringing some stuff up. I can't it's, wait to get into it's that. It's real. Again. Guys feel like they don't want us to act in this stereotypical way, but guess what? We don't want you to be stereotypical either. Okay. Which brings me to think about like those good stereotypes <laughs> that people accept, and I think one of the stereotypes that black men love and they accept is that black men are well endowed and like very sexual and they love that stereotype but I think it's like so problematic like in the long run and so I you know it, how do you say problematic well one it over sexualizes them and so oh. people fetishize over black men and two again just like with the strong black woman thing it's like men we have we feel like we have to live up to this expectation like yeah. i gotta be a strong black woman yeah. and men it's like i have to be like this sexual being all the time if not then am i really I mean, a man they do. yeah it's this thing on you do okay continue <laughs> and strong because men have that stereotype too about they have to be the strong person and they're not supposed to have emotions yeah, and that exactly. we yeah. have to kind of nip because yeah. when they grow up and they don't know how to express their feelings and to talk things through that is a problem now I don't want you to be Ralph Tresman and be an <laughs> extra sensitive <laughs> message Okay. Don't do that. I, so yeah, <laughs> you don't, don't have like to be strong. That. Connect with your emotions, but on the sexual yeah. part, that's what I was referring to. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> but I do, and that is something that I try and like. I allow my my boys to like share their feelings, but then I also get them to a place to where it's not super emo. But I do want you to be able to like talk it through because it, I, it's a balance. Yeah. It is. It really is. And it's it's needed. Like it's healthy. It's health. You naturally have feelings as a human being. So naturally get that shit out. Minus the tears. <laughs> so we are saying that. Men Don't can't cry. cry. Is that what we're saying? Men shouldn't no, cry. No, men can cry. Men can men cry. Can cry. How? What level? <laughs> what level of crying can we get? <gasps> Not snot. No, no snot. Remember when like Chris <laughs> Brown performed on BET Awards? Like one one, <laughs> one single like one. dramatic yeah. tear. Yeah. I, I mean, that's sexy. I can get a tear. Like, I get a one. Maybe two. Okay. Yeah, I, can, I can take two on each side. That's sexy. Yeah. But if it's like a grandma, like, who? Like, no. Like, no. You have to do that. I don't even want to do It's a no for you, dog. them y'all express your emotions okay boo boo sometimes you just need to get it out you have a good cry that can be cleansing don't listen to them you do get it out yeah i'm looking because i'm like i just don't see you accepting that she won't that's why i'm you, looking at her like she's full of i mean it might not work for me personally thinking, but <laughs> most things don't that's my own shit that i gotta go to a counselor about because i just be like no. yeah you I have a very, very small percentage of, of people that I'm attracted to. So, um, I mean, small. And, and, and I 
I just don't deal with emotions in general well. And so I can deal with two tears, but I can't do with like the <laughs> like I you know, and that's interesting. I think this is a perfect conversation to really highlight uh like our differences in our personalities because I think and even like oh, our views yeah. versus a lot of other women because this is when so we're completely different. Oh yeah, like, we are. I was like, like, he cried for me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, (laughs) and Jules like, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, he a cheat. Yeah, we're no help. We're no help. (laughs) Go get a new set of friends, okay? (laughs) Comments are going to be off the chain when this drops. I cannot wait. I cannot wait. Deal with the crier. To have you said you can deal you or you, itchy, right? yeah. you, yeah. you you said you can because you said emotions make you they do <laughs> but I'm saying like two tears like I can deal with the two tears what I just three? that's too much three is a crowd <laughs> it's a crowd <laughs> and you know what I'm actually I'm talking all of this shit but if you're in a relationship with someone and you really like them and you're in love with them and you all are maybe butting heads and they've been this, because if I'm dating you, then you're super masculine, super alpha. Like you just bring, ugh, just yes. And then like all of a sudden there's this show of emotion that might be like, I mean, you know what? That might do yeah, something to me. That is cute. I like, yeah, I like that. that. Yeah. Like you're super alpha all the other time. And then you show this vulnerable side. But just yeah. keep it to two tears. Two tears. Two tears. Two, two tears. Just yeah. still chill. Like, you don't get an extra tear just because you have muscles. You have to deal with, like, oh, my God, there were three tears. She's done with me. I I, I surpassed the two two tears. So and that's so that toxic because to imagine the pressure a man has. You see the what pressure, I'm saying? Yeah. It, it means a lot of pressure on a man is like, oh, oh, my God, I'm on my second tear. You know, it, <laughs> <laughs> like, it's a lot of pressure. And, and I do recognize, you know, my toxic traits. Yeah. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm not without flaw. I can't wait to promote this episode. This is, <laughs> our comments about to be so hot. <laughs> Do you make your man cry? Is it okay for him to cry? What's your tear limit? <laughs> I hope. I mean, That's to me, it's limit. like, is he really your man if you can't make him cry? Oh, you ask, Kay. Oh, so you're big and strong and don't show emotion. I'm going to try to make you cry. <laughs> yeah, that's... Yeah, that's pretty much my subconscious. <laughs> I remember the first time I found out Bambi had a dark side. That would be UK. Right? <laughs> she paused like, who's this Bambi? Everybody thinks she's so sweet because she looks 16. I'm like, that chick is crazy. Like, she will, she will slash she her the dark side. <laughs> She's the friend that I call when I need to ride out real quick. Yes, I will be that. <laughs> and cut. Well, now that we're all uh, warmed up and juiced up, do we want to talk about just some little main topics and um, what's going on in the news so we're well uh, well, uh, I don't know how warm up you are, but we have not pass the Oh, God, you're so funny. So before we close, are y'all ready for my food for thought? Y'all want ready for me to, like, drop some information <laughs> on y'all? Yes, what? 
Yes, yeah, but you know what? Drop them gems, baby. You know they ready. They ready okay. after the first episode. They like, oh, okay, queen. I'll the shitty for the gems. So come on, come through. What you got for us this week? So last episode, I was ranting and rambling on about the upcoming election and the Supreme Court. And in that segment, I briefly mentioned the push to make policing more intrusive. So I recently learned that they're using facial recognition technology with police body camera footage. So just let me give you a little backstory. So a few months ago, under lockdown, I read the George Floyd bill, which is also called the Justice and Policing Act proposed by the House. Now, there was a section in the bill that really caught my eye. The bill prohibited the use of facial recognition technology to collect intelligence using body camera footage. So I was like, what, they're doing that? So it just really blew my mind because I had no idea. So I decided to find out a little more and holy shit, this is actually a thing and potentially a total violation of our fourth amendment rights because body camera footage is only supposed to be used for the incident on hand and not to be used to gather intelligence for other alleged crimes. So this is definitely problematic. Now, do you trust law enforcement with this technology without limitation? I know I don't, especially with the history of them spying on and harassing activists and protesters. And it gets worse. On top of this being intrusive, the technology has a racial bias. Go figure. Back in January in Detroit, a black man was falsely arrested in front of his family, kids, whole nine, because of facial recognition technology erroneously matched surveillance footage with his driver's license photo. So this thing is like already happening. Now, I don't think it's a bunch of clan members typing away, coding in their basements as a part of their grand wizard plan. For one, I just don't think they're smart enough. But this bias usually results from lack of diversity and representation in the career field. So big technology companies like IBM, Microsoft, Amazon, only just recently in I'm talking about June, started backing away from or putting temporary holds on selling facial recognition technology to police departments. And I think this is only because of the scrutiny law enforcement has been facing right now. So they're just like, I ain't in it. Y'all figure this out amongst yourselves. Leave us out of it. Because they know, like, this is a total violation of our privacy. And they're just waiting for legislation to put limits on police departments. But don't think for a second that their bottom line isn't more important than their privacy or our privacy. So what can we do about it? Like, I just don't have all the answers. I don't know. But if you have some ideas, please put it in the comments. So first, do your research. Arm yourself with information. Share with other people. Our legislators only address things when a lot of people are talking about it. Police love doing things in secret. So let's just put it out there. Stay on top of your shit. Find out what practices your local departments are doing, sign petitions, get active, only vote for officials who will end this practice. If you know someone who's graduating, starting off in life, looking for a career change, or maybe they're a 40-year-old aspiring rapper, encourage them to go into coding. We definitely need that representation. And lastly, if all else fails, we should just all commit to wearing masks all the time to throw out the technology. Maybe then we can kill two birds with one stone. So please 
put this on your radar and learn more about it. Violations against our privacy and racial bias and AI technology, which is not going away, by the way, are real problems. If you have time, check out the documentary called Coded Bias. And I've also included some links in the description of our podcast if you want to learn more. Okay, back to you, ladies. I love this segment. I love it. I love it. I love it. See, you always are bringing something so dope that isn't always covered in mainstream media and is so important, though, and so critical. And that is crazy. So um, thank you for all of that information. This wraps up episode two. And thank you all for joining us. It's another episode. Again, don't forget let us know your thoughts in the comment. Let us know what topics you want to hear about. We're going to start incorporating that um, into our episodes and have a, a fun little segment for you all. Follow us on IG, Crucial Conversations, um, C-R-E-W, because we're the crew. Watch us on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you watch your or listen to your podcasts and join us. New episodes are going to drop on Thursdays. Thank you all so much for joining us. And ladies, I, you know, we've wrapped up another episode. Let's keep this momentum going, right? Awesome. Well, it was good seeing you ladies for another week and um, you all will see you soon. Naya dropped off. Where the fuck is Naya? You're (laughs) that shit.